Chapter eighty one, part twelve of the Adventures of Peregrine Pickle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Memoirs of a Lady of Quality, part twelve. It is not to be supposed that I was perfectly easy when I was made acquainted with his purpose and declaration, as my whole family consisted of no more than a couple of women and one footman. However, I summoned up my courage which has been often tried and never forsook me in the day of danger, and sent him word that, if ever he should presume to approach my house, I would order him to be shot without ceremony. The fellow did not choose to put me to the trial, and returned to town without his errand. But as the place of my abode was now discovered, I laid my account with having a visit from his employer. I therefore planted spies upon the road, with a promise of reward to him who should bring me the first intelligence of his lordship's approach. Accordingly, I was one morning apprised of his coming, and mounting horse immediately with my woman and valet, away we rode in defiance of winter. In two days I traversed the wilds of Lincolnshire and hundreds of Essex, crossed the river at Tilbury, breakfasted at Chatham, by the help of a guide in moonlight arrived at Dover the same evening, embarked for Calais, in which place I found myself next day at two o'clock in the afternoon, and being heartily tired with my journey, betook myself to rest. My maid, who was not able to travel with such expedition, followed me at an easier pace, and the footman was so astonished at my perseverance that he could not help asking me upon the road if ever I was weary in my life. Certain it is, my spirits and resolution have enabled me to undergo fatigues that are almost incredible. From Calais I went to Brussels, where I again set up my rest in private lodgings, was again perfectly well received by fashionable people of that place, and by the interest of my friends obtained the Queen of Hungary's protection against the persecution of my husband, while I should reside in the Austrian Netherlands. Thus secured, I lived uncensured, conversing with the English company with which this city was crowded, but spent the most agreeable part of my time with the Countess of Kallenberg, in whose house I generally dined and supped. And I also contracted an intimacy with the Princess of Chimay, who was a great favorite with Madame de Herrick, the governor's lady. I had not been long in this happy situation when I was disturbed by the arrival of Lord Hm, who demanded me of the governor. But finding me sheltered from his power, he set out for Vienna, and in consequence of his representations, strengthened with the Duke of N.'s name, my protection was withdrawn. But before this application, he had gone to the camp and addressed himself to my Lord Stair who was my particular friend and ally by my first marriage, desiring he would compel me to return to his house. His lordship told him that I was in no shape subject to his command, but invited him to dinner with a view of diverting himself in company at the expense of his guest. In the evening he was plied with so many bumpers to my health that he became intoxicated and extremely obstreperous, insisted upon seeing Lord Stair after he was retired to rest, and quarrelled with Lord D., who, being a tall, large, raw-boned Scotchman, could have swallowed him at one mouthful. 
but he thought he might venture to challenge him in hopes of being put under arrest by the general though he reckoned without his host lord stair knew his disposition and in order to punish his presumption winked at the affair the challenger finding himself mistaken in his conjecture got up early in the morning and went off post for vienna and lord stair desired a certain man of quality to make me a visit and give me an account of his behaviour being now deprived of my protection and pin-money which my generous husband would no longer pay i was reduced to great difficulty and distress the duchess de aremberg lord g and many other persons of distinction interceded on my behalf with his majesty who was then abroad but he refused to interpose between man and wife the countess of Callenberg wrote a letter to my father in which she represented my uncomfortable situation and undertook to answer for my conduct in case he would allow me a small annuity on which i could live independent of lord hm who by all accounts was a wretch with whom i could never enjoy the least happiness or quiet otherwise she would be the first to advise me to an accommodation she gave him to understand that her character was neither doubtful nor obscure and that if my conduct there had not been irreproachable she should not have taken me under her protection that as i proposed to board in a convent a small sum would answer my occasions but if that should be denied i would actually go to service or take some other desperate step to avoid the man who was my bane and aversion to this kind remonstrance my father answered that his fortune would not allow him to assist me he now had a young family and that i ought at all events to return to my husband by this time such was the extremity of my circumstances that i was forced to pawn my clothes and every trifling trinket in my possession and even to descend so far as to solicit mr s for a loan of fifty pounds which he refused thus was i deserted in my distress by two persons to whom in the season of my affluence my purse had always been open nothing so effectually subdues a spirit unused to supplicate as want repulsed in this manner i had recourse to lord b who was also it seems unable to relieve my necessities this mortification i deserved at his hands though he had once put it in my power to be above all such paltry applications and i should not have been compelled to the disagreeable task of troubling my friends had i not voluntarily resigned what he formerly gave me as to the other gentleman to whom i addressed myself on this occasion i think he might have shown more regard to my situation not only for the reasons already mentioned but because he knew me too well to be ignorant of what i must have suffered in condescending to make such a request several officers who guessed my adversity generously offered to supply me with money but i could not bring myself to make use of their friendship or even to own my distress except to one person of whom i borrowed a small sum to crown my misfortunes i was taken very ill at a time when there was no other way of avoiding the clutches of my persecutor but by a precipitate flight in this emergency i applied to a worthy gentleman of brussels a very good friend of mine but no lover i say no lover because every man is supposed to act in that capacity who befriends a young woman in distress 
this generous fleming set out with me in the night from brussels and conducted me to the frontier of france being very much indisposed both in mind and body when i was obliged to undertake this expedition i should in all probability have sunk under the fatigue of travelling had not my spirits been kept up by the conversation of my companion who was a man of business and consequence and undertook to manage my affairs in such a manner as would enable me to re-establish my residence in the place i had left he was young and active attended me with the utmost care and assiduity and left nothing undone which he thought would contribute to my ease and satisfaction i believe his friendship for me was a little tinctured with another passion but he was married and lived very well with his wife who was also my friend so that he knew i would never think of him in the light of a lover upon our arrival at valenciennes he accommodated me with a little money for a little was all i would take and returned to his own city after we had settled a correspondence by letters i was detained a day or two in this place by my indisposition which increased but nevertheless proceeded to paris to make interest for a protection from the king of france which that monarch graciously accorded me in three days after my first application and his minister sent orders to all the governors and intendants of the province towns to protect me against the efforts of lord hm in whatever place i should choose to reside having returned my thanks at versailles for this favour and tarried a few days at paris which was a place altogether unsuitable to the low ebb of my fortune i repaired to lisle where i intended to fix my habitation and there my disorder recurred with such violence that i was obliged to send for a physician who seemed to have been a disciple of sangrado for he scarce left a drop of blood in my body and yet i found myself never a whit the better indeed i was so much exhausted by these evacuations and my constitution so much impaired by fatigue and perturbation of mind that i had no other hope of recovering but that of reaching england and putting myself under the direction of a physician on whose ability i could depend with this doubtful prospect therefore i determined to attempt to return to my native air and actually departed from lyle in such a melancholy enfeebled condition that i had almost fainted when i was put into the coach but before i resolved upon this journey i was reduced to the utmost exigence of fortune so that i could scarce afford to buy provisions had it been in my power to eat and should not have been able to defray my travelling expenses had i not been generously befriended by lord r h who i am sure would have done anything for my case and accommodation though he has unjustly incurred the imputation of being parsimonious and i had no reason to expect any such favour at his hands in this deplorable state of health i was conveyed to calais being all the way as it were in the arms of death without having swallowed the least sustenance on the road so much was my indisposition augmented by the fatigue of the journey that i swooned when i was brought into the inn and had almost expired before i could receive the least assistance or advice however my spirits were a little revived by some bread and wine which i took at the persuasion of a french surgeon who chancing to pass by the door was called up to my relief having sent my servant to brussels to take care of my clothes i embarked in the packet-boat and by the time we arrived at dover 
was almost in extremity. Here I found a return coach, in which I was carried to London, and was put to bed at the house we put up at, more dead than alive. The people of the inn sent for an apothecary, who administered some cordial that recalled me to life, and when I recovered the use of speech, I told him who I was, and desired him to wait upon Dr. S., and inform him of my situation. A young girl, who was niece to the landlord's wife, seeing me unattended, made a tender of her service to me, and I accepted the offer, as well as of a lodging in the apothecary's house, to which I was conveyed as soon as my strength would admit my removal. There I was visited by my physician, who was shocked to find me in such a dangerous condition. However, having considered my case, he perceived that my indisposition proceeded from the calamities I had undergone, and encouraged me with the hope of a speedy cure, provided I could be kept easy and undisturbed. I was accordingly attended with all imaginable care, my lord's name being never mentioned in my hearing, because I considered him as the fatal source of all my misfortunes and in a month I recovered my health by the great skill and tenderness of my doctor, who, now finding me strong enough to encounter fresh troubles, endeavored to persuade me that it would be my wisest step to return to my husband, whom at that time he had often occasion to see. But I rejected his proposal, commencing a new lawsuit for separation, and took a small house at St. James Square. About this time my woman returned from Brussels, but without my clothes, which were detained on account of the money I owed in that place, and asking her dismission from my service, set up shop for herself. I had not lived many weeks in my new habitation, when my persecutor renewed his attempts to make himself master of my person. But I had learned from experience to redouble my vigilance, and he was frustrated in all his endeavors. I was again happy in the conversation of my former acquaintance, and visited by a great number of gentlemen, mostly persons of probity and sense, who cultivated my friendship without any other motive of attachment. Not that I was unsolicited on the article of love. That was a theme on which I never wanted orators, and could I have prevailed upon myself to profit by the advances that were made, I might have managed my opportunities so as to have set fortune at defiance for the future. But I was none of these economists who can sacrifice their hearts to interested considerations. One evening, while I was conversing with three or four of my friends, my lawyer came in, and told me he had something of consequence to impart, upon which all the gentlemen but one went away. Then he gave me to understand that my suit would immediately come to trial, and though he hoped the best, the issue was uncertain. That if it should be given against me, the decision would inspire my lord with fresh spirits to disturb my peace, and therefore it would be convenient for me to retire until the affair should be brought to a determination. I was very much disconcerted at this intelligence, and the gentleman who stayed, perceiving my concern, asked what I intended to do or if he could serve me in any shape, and desired to know whither I proposed to retreat. I affected to laugh, and answered, To a garret, I believe. To this overstrained reasoning he replied, that if I should, 
his friendship and regard would find the way to my apartment, and I had no reason to doubt the sincerity of his declaration. We consulted about the measures I should take, and I determined to remove into the country, where I was soon favored with a letter from him, wherein he expressed the infinite pleasure he had in being able to assure me that my suit had been successful, and that I might appear again with great safety. Accordingly, I returned to town in his coach and six, which he had sent for my convenience, and the same evening went with him to the masquerade, where we passed the night very agreeably, his spirits as well as mine being elevated to a joyous pitch by the happy event of my process. This gentleman was a person of great honor, worth, and good nature. He loved me extremely, but did not care that I should know the extent of his passion. On the contrary, he endeavored to persuade me. He had laid it down as a maxim that no woman should ever have power enough over his heart to give him the least pain or disquiet. In short, he had made a progress in my affection, and to his generosity was I indebted for my subsistence two whole years, during which he was continually professing this philosophic indifference, while at the same time he was giving me daily assurances of his friendship and esteem, and treated me with incessant marks of the most passionate love, so that I concluded his intention was cold, though his temper was warm. Considering myself as an encumbrance upon his fortune, I redoubled my endeavors to obtain a separate maintenance from my lord, and removed from St. James Square to lodgings at Kensington, where I had not long enjoyed myself in tranquillity, before I was interrupted by a very unexpected visit. End of chapter 81, part 12